listening to This Is Ibrox, your weekly Rangers podcast. Hello and welcome to This Is Ibrox, the Rangers podcast. I'm Martin Douglas. And joining me this week, we have the ever-present Willie Irwin and a special guest joining us who says to me just before we started that he couldn't wait to get started because he admired me so much and he wanted to see how I really done things. Jeep, how are you doing, Jeep? I'm not bad, mate. Uh, uh, aye, nice, nice words, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have that. If only it wasn't a total lie. <laughs> well, Urban, mate, how are you doing? How, how's your week been? Busy as usual, mate, yeah. I was out shopping today, so that was about as fun as my week's got so far. I don't even, I, I'm using the coronavirus as an excuse now, so the missus is into the shop by herself and I get to sit in the motor. It's fucking brilliant. I don't drive, so I need to walk to the shops and walk all the way back, because it's quite a trek, so it was not an enjoyable morning, I can assure you. <laughs> hey, well, listen, on the pod this week, we're going to recap the Galatasaray game, have a wee chat about transfers, have a look at the Europa League group, the Ross County game, and of course, Wally Irwin's favourite, Fantasy Football Scotland. But um, before we get into it, obviously the pod's available to view on YouTube and on the website at thisisibrox.co.uk and it's available to download on whatever podcast platform you use. Well, Urban Key, tell us a couple of podcast platforms. No. All right, fair enough. Um, right, I'm going to start with, uh, with you, Jeep, seeing as you're our special guest. And listen, the Galatasaray game, <laughs> I wasn't expecting us to go through. I'm, go- I'm just going to come out and say it. But I actually thought, in general, the performance over the 90 minutes, we were really good, and it was actually quite a comfortable one. Mm-hmm. I know, I, I think so as well. I mean, I, I believe the goal that Galatasaray scored was their first shot on target in the entire game. Um, I was a bit like you. Um, more so in the build-up to the game, I kind of I, I expected, like, I think they're going to have too much for us. But you know what it's like when you get the, the battle fever on? I mean, it comes, it's a few hours before the game, you're like, now nah, we're going to do them. <laughs> so I mean it's just that happens that happens every single time. But no, I was a wee bit I was I was a wee bit like you. Um I, I thought it was gonna be a really, really tough uh a really tough tie. It was a really big ask, I think, in all of the qualifiers that Steven Gerrard's had to face. I thought this was by far the most difficult team. Mm-hmm. Um but as soon as the game as soon as the game kicked off, the the opening ten minutes especially, I thought we were right in with a shout here. I thought we started off really, really well. We were passing it uh, really well. The tempo was good. Um obviously it's when when you're in a when you go into a game like that you're watching the first 10 minutes and you're kind of hanging to yourself when the game's gone this way we really should be like nicking a goal early on when we're when we're playing so well and then when it starts to kind of become a wee bit more balanced you think oh we had that good passage of play we've no scored yet you know but um no it was it was a it was a it was a fantastic result um similar to what you said i, I wasn't i wasn't expecting to go through um but at half time as well, I thought it was it was Andy's game it took. I know, and, and well, I see in the grand scale of things with Gerald's European results. Where does that where does that one sit? I think in terms of the qualifying, you would probably say it's right at the top. I think we've played better teams in the group stages than Galatasaray, but I think in terms of the qualification, it will be hard to beat getting past Galatasaray in qualification. I thought I mean, I think we spoke about it in the previous week. They were a slightly aging team, kind of middle to front. They maybe weren't the youngest team. And I think, like, Gerard's trying to come out in the first half and try to have a go. But they didn't really come out and do much. So it was a bit of a kind of, a kind of lull in the first half. Maybe we weren't full pelt. But the second half, I thought, like, you know, the energy levels, the quality, the movement for the first goal was was fantastic. Great ball into feet. We step over for Alfie. Then the ball through to Arfield. And 
See, at the moment with Scott, whenever Scott's through and go, you feel pretty confident he's going to tuck it away. And he took it lovely. And then, I everybody's seen the second goal. You know, that's as good a goal as anyone would score in Europe. You know, he start off with the goalie right on my own touchline and go the whole length of the pitch. And it had to be Tavernier, didn't it? You know, it's just, I mean, the man's just incredible at the moment. It's, I don't know where it's all coming from, the goals, but it's absolutely fantastic to watch. And it was a great victory for us. I don't think anybody could deny us the win. We were definitely the better team. And I agree, I think that was probably their first shot and target that they actually scored from. And it'll be a disappointment that like the manner of the goal because we're generally really strong in those positions with Hellander and Golson are in the team. So I'm sure the manager picked up on that. But you know, overall to beat Galatasaray and get into the group stages is absolutely fantastic. And Jeep just mentioned them. Uh, uh, well, I just mentioned them there. Sorry, Jeep. I've not had anything to eat. I've just done a 13 hour shift, just in case anybody's wondering. Um, Scott Arfield, man in a moment. Listen, see, before he came back in and had this kind of five or six game spell that he's having, I genuinely didn't see a route back into the team for him. But I mean, he's came back in and he's, apart from maybe Tav, he's been the absolute standout player. I think he's been, uh, apart from Tav, yeah, I think he's been the most consistent player as well. Um, but it's funny that you mentioned that because I I said that um, before the weekend's game, it was after the game on Thursday, I said the thing that pleases me so much with Arfield is the fact that he wasn't in the squad. I mean, you kind of, you look at Aberdeen up at Pataudry's being the first uh, competitive, I believe it was the first competitive game we'd played this season. Usually we've played European qualifiers by that stage, but um, the fact that he wasn't selected in the first 11, you kind of, I mean, Gerard's going to go with his strongest 11 at that time. And the fact that he's kind of he's kind of muscled his way back into the side, and he's not just kind of put in like average performances. He's put in really good performances. His performance at Fort Park was outstanding. Um, his 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 build up play in midfield for Jones's goal, which was something that I didn't actually really appreciate until I'd seen the replay after the game had finished. Um, was just it was really phenomenal, and he got another assist for uh, Itton in in the second half. I just I think um. I think like what Wally said, when, when he went through in goal, I was I felt really confident. And I think mm-hmm. even the way he took it, just the way that he, he had the confidence to take it with the outside of his foot and put it across the goalkeeper, it just looked like a player that's just like oozing with sheer confidence, um, which obviously benefits it, which obviously it's going to benefit the squad in it. Um, I am just really, really impressed with him so far. I thought he looked really uh, heavy-legged yesterday. Um, we'll go touch on that when we go into that game. But um, as as far as as far as this season goes, I think he started off really well. But I, some similar to what you were saying, I didn't know how Scott Arfield would would fare this season because I thought that I thought his first season he done really really well, and last season I didn't think so much. I, I didn't think he he, he had a, an overly great season last year. No, didn't much rhyme. But even like if you think he had one at Parkhead, he, he didn't play much a part. He just came on at the end, and that for me he wasn't really he wasn't really one of the uh, first choices in the team, but at the moment he certainly would be given current form. And I suppose, well, in, in the last kind of five games as well, I suppose the main thing you hear about Scott Arfield is his work rate. But maybe what does go underappreciated is his link up play. And like Jeep just said there as well, that the goals that he can score, he can score screamers and he can score tap ins and he can score lovely wee finishes like he did against Galatasaray. I think Scott's always been a player that will score goals. I mean, I think for all he didn't have his best season last season, he still scored a fair few goals. And there was a wee spell where I think he scored like 
in three or four games in the trot. So he's capable. But I think with Scott, it's like, what is his best position? You know, it seems to be at the moment like he's working well within the three-man midfield because he's allowed to almost be the free guy that is allowed to go and express himself. You know, so he's like the guy that's maybe getting that little bit further forward. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think, I think, quite similar to what we were saying earlier, it's when the season started, Scott probably wasn't in the start of loving too many people. Mm-hmm. Especially with Joe being there. And then obviously when we added like Itton and Roof, it felt like Scott was just like dropping down the pecking order. So in some ways, you know, like obviously the injury to Joe and the injury to kind of Roof has meant that Scott's played probably a wee bit more, and then obviously like kind of laterally the injury to Ryan Jack. But it would be tough to take Scott out of the team now. And in two weeks' time when we play Celtic, it would be harsh to take somebody like Arfield out of the team to bring in like a Rebo if he was ready to go or Roof. And I think the manager knows that. And I don't think you want to like kill somebody's confidence by saying, all right, you know, that's Joe Rebo back. Scott, you're back on the bench. So I think, you know, from a point of view, Scott's a big player. He's been really good recently. Yesterday was probably one of his quieter games, but I agree. I thought he looked a little bit tired, as did a few of the other players. So I would certainly have him in my starting 11 at Parkhead in two weeks' time, just given how well he's been playing recently. Absolutely. And obviously, we're at 2 1 win, sorry, took us into the, the, the group draw where we drew Benfica, Standard Liege, and Lech Poznan. Najib, without maybe underestimating the teams that we're going to come up against, is this a group that we should be looking to qualify from, either first or second place? I would say so. Um, I think if you were a if you were to handpick teams that were selected, I think you wouldn't be too far away. Uh, but, but what we got, I feel um, I've got I've got to be honest. I don't know a lot about. I mean, teams like Standard Liège, they're 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 well known teams. I really don't know a lot about the squad of players that they've got. Same goes with Lech Poznan. I know that they're a they're a, a decent, well supported club in in Poland. I, I used to work with. Uh, a Polish guy who's a fan, so he used to always talk to me like Bosnia, that's my team and that. But as far as the, the squad of players go, um I, I really don't know what the way I try the way I try to um judge it is maybe basing them off of teams that we've played recently. Um I would say that I would I mean I could be absolutely tripping myself up here, but I would say that Legia Warsaw probably finished above Lech Poznan in the Polish league last year. Yeah, I would did. say I would say that Benfica were there or runabouts with Porto. I wouldn't say that they were any much better, and we got results after both day teams. So if you're if you're looking at it for that aspect, I would say that this a group that we def, if we if we bring our our best game, our best form, it's a group that we probably could qualify for. Well, Willie, you messaged me during the week, and you says to me, "I've done a wee bit of research on Benfica, and now I'm shining myself." Explain. I look. I mean. I think it's one of those things when you start looking at like the money they spent over the summer, spent eighty-five million pounds. <laughs> and like I know like people look at that and say it's a lot of money. I mean, they've obviously kind of got some of that money back in with the sales that they've made recently, especially the big one in Manchester City, obviously. But I think it was like twenty-one million pounds for a young Uruguayan striker, fifteen million and no, eighteen million and sixteen million for two Brazilian internationals. Then they signed the guy, Waldschmidt, who's a German international. Then they got Otamendi as part of the deal for Diaz. They signed another Brazilian because the Portuguese teams love Brazilians. Mm-hmm. Then they get Vertonghen on a free. I didn't realise they signed Vertonghen. So they're certainly a good team. But a bit like what Jeep was saying, though, you know, they finished second last year behind Porto. 
Mm-hmm. Lake Poznan finished second behind Lesia Warsaw. So maybe we should start to be like more positive about the Rangers and saying, you know what, you're good enough to beat these teams and we're good enough to qualify out of the group. Uh, I think standard Liège, when I, w, I think they finished fifth in the Belgian league. Um, so it's hard, but I would feel as though at the very worst we should be finishing second in that group. Benfica, I think I've been are like undefeated at home in Europe for several years. So clearly, you know, before you go there, you know that's going to be difficult. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that you can finish first or second in that group if we go at it. I mean, if, I think they've won their first three league games of the season, Benfica, for five one, two nothing, and three two. But I think like I think a lot of the criticism for them this season came because they get knocked out of the Champions League by Paul Salonica. Mm-hmm. And I think clearly that's you know big money for a lot of these teams. So I think possibly that's why maybe the Diaz deals happened because when you lose out in such a huge amount of money for the Champions League, you've then got to try and level the playing field when it comes to the money they'd spent over the summer. But yeah, they're a good team, but I don't think we should fear anybody in Europe. We've shown in the last two years that we're a good team. We're probably better away from home than we are at home because it allows us to break on teams. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to you know the two games against Benfica in particular. I can't believe you just stole all my research. <laughs> well, it's me to say, yeah, that's all easy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Martin, I was going to say there. See if you're see if you're t- talking about the draw and the obviously the, the teams that, that were picked out. See, see when I was looking at, I watched the draw on Friday, and see when I was looking at it. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Rangers fans can praise enough like how good we've been in Europe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The past few years, I think. I mean, if you were, if we had, if we had drew, drawn like ourselves against, uh, well, I mean, everybody win it as 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 at Willem, you say when uh, that, I don't when know we, <laughs> when we drew against Willem, um, and a lot of people are saying that that won't be easy. That'll be a tough game. You know, they've done this, they've done that. I'm thinking to myself, well, we beat Porto and then we drew with Porto and then we came for two two nil behind against Braga, who had. Who, who I believe they won one of the Portuguese cups. I mean, they were on a they were on a ridiculous run of form when we played them, and and I, I believe they had they hadn't conceded many goals no. in the Europa League when we played them, and then we scored three goals in what twenty five minutes, and then we went away from home and we beat them there as well. And I, so I, the way I look at it is, I think to myself, if we had drew a team that we didn't know much about, but you looked on paper to beat Legia Warsaw to get through. Beat Feyenoord at home, they drew away. They beat Porto at home, they drew away. They beat Braga home and away. You're thinking to yourself, Jesus Christ, like you're, you're thinking that that's a good team we're playing. So I think, I mean, what I was going to say initially there is, um, I think teams would have been wanting to avoid us. I think we would have been one of the last teams in pot three anyway. Yeah. Um, the, the teams would, I mean, you've got AC Milan and that. Then I don't know much about them. No, 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 quite the the size of animal that they used to be but when you kind of when you compare it to the rest of the teams there I was kind of thinking to myself I think we'll be one of the one of the teams that say once for pot one and pot two will be hanging we don't want to get Rangers that's that was my honest opinion see I don't know if it's just scar tissue because obviously I'm old enough to remember Europe before obviously we get knocked down the leagues and stuff like that and we always used to get beat by by everybody basically we were never that good in Europe and then obviously we went through what we went through and we've came back up the leagues 
and we've had disappointment after disappointment. So I don't know if it's just scar tissue, but we kind of turn around and go, oh, look how good we actually are. Look how good we have been, especially with results in the league and stuff like that, you know? But, but Wally, with, with, with regards to the actual group, I mean, as Jeeb said there, look what we've done in the past in Europe. So should we really be looking to, to top that group? Now that Jeeb's fought me with confidence? I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that. But I think we've also got to appreciate that like Benfica are a very good team. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, a, it's one of those, like you try and show respect to the opposition that you're playing against. But yeah, I don't think we should be going into the games worrying about the opposition too much. You know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we've done enough these last two years to suggest that we're more than capable of getting results. And certainly, you know, the fact we've been away to Portugal twice and we've managed to come back with a win and a draw shows that we're good enough to get something for Benfica. And I always feel like Ibrox, you know, for all maybe, we've not been great at Ibrox for, maybe for a long time in particular, it feels like we are slightly better away in terms of how we set up and how we break on teams. Mm-hmm. You know, We've had some good results at Ibrooks, so it's not to say that you know we can't do it. I mean, I suppose the unknowns are like Poznan. I don't really know a huge amount about Polish football, to be honest. But I mean, Leja Warsaw were clearly quite a dangerous team, so you'd imagine Lech Poznan will be similar. But yet again, you've probably gone to Poland with a potential empty stadium or a very small amount of fans. Mm-hmm. And for one of the biggest things with Polish football is that people talk about is the atmosphere inside the stadium. Aye. Aye. So, you know, like, taking that away, that maybe makes it slightly easier for us. Standard Liège, I watch a little bit of Belgian football. It's obviously changed a bit over the years. Anderlecht were always the powerhouse. They seem to have kind of drifted a wee bit. Seems like it's more like Genk and Ghent now that seem to be kind of right up there winning more than often. Obviously, Hagi's obviously came for there. So, I certainly don't think we should show any fear towards Standard Liège or Lech Poznan. Benfica, I think, will be the two big games I've you know, if we can take more points off a of Benfica than they take off us, then I would say there's every possibility that we'll top the group. Well, see, this is the thing, right? And and obviously we have this issue now in, in Scotland, obviously with the no fans. But you see, especially in Europe, will it make much of a difference, the fact that there's no fans? I know it works both ways, but like Wally says there, with a lot of these European teams, they kind of feed off the energy of the crowd, as do we, but we've also shown that, that we can do it when there is no crowd. Um, do you know I think that's a difficult one um, in terms of Europe I think the fact that there's no fans allowed in will benefit us massively away from home mm-hmm. um, and I think it will it will make it um, more difficult at home um, you go into these European I mean you go into these European games and it's it's, it's a much different atmosphere because a lot of the time um, you're no you're not expecting to win. I mean, the way the fans were when when Braga went to an all up at Ibrox, the fans were still, come on, come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were 2 0 doing it home to Kilmarnock, you wouldn't be getting that. The fans would be absolutely on your back. Aye. They would be booing, they would be jeering. So it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot different. There's, it's more, it's almost more like um, supportive when you're in Europe because you realise that they're up against it. Whereas when it's in the league, um, it's, it's, you're, you're more expected to get the results. So then if it's in the 70th minute, it's only 1-0, then the fans can kind of start to get a wee bit restless and stuff and a wee bit anxious. So it, I, I think, I mean, and you were talking about the, the Polish fans. I believe Steven Gerrard said after like, the Legia Warsaw game, it was one of the most hostile atmospheres mm-hmm. he had ever experienced. 
and that wasn't just as a manager. And think, think of all the places that Gerard's been to. So just to kind of touch on what William said, that's I mean he he's experienced that first hands with first hand with uh, the the Polish football fans. They're very very passionate. Um, so going over there in an empty stadium, I think can only benefit us. So that's uh, that. I would say Benfica, I mean, Benfica would be the same. Port, the Portuguese fans would be exactly the same. I think. Absolutely. Now, just to add context uh, to this pod tonight, we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, on the, the deadline day, and it's nine o'clock as we speak. So I'm going to move on to transfers and contracts. But just in case we say something, and we're, and when this comes out tomorrow, we look like arseholes. So I just thought I would get that <laughs> in. But listen, well, I want to come to you first, because I want to discuss Kai Kennedy. Now, obviously, he's made a loan move to Inverness. There's been a lot of talk about his, his attitude and his behaviour behind the scenes, none of that proven because we don't know exactly what's happened. But is this a chance now for Kai to go away, get a bit of first team football under his under his belt and maybe come back and have a chance at Rangers? I think first and foremost the biggest thing is the first team football. I think that's something that Kai's been craving now for a wee while. You know, so the opportunity to go to an Inverness team that will probably feel as though they're a playoff team in the championship. You know, I think they'll feel as though out with hearts, they're probably one of the strongest teams in that division. So for Kai, it's a good move. He's also got a manager that thinks highly of him because he spoke very well about him after the Cup game last year. Obviously, there's a lot of belief in Kai. So I'm hoping that you know Kai plays a lot of football between now and when he's due to return. The big thing, obviously, is when Kai returns, there's a decision to be made, you know, whether it's with Kai, the club, his agent, about what the next step is in his development. Yeah, again, there's been a lot of things said about Kai that, to be honest, has just came off the back of what Stephen Gerrard said. But I think I said it in the pod not long after that, that those words weren't purely about Kai. You know, when you look into some of the things that's happened since then, and, you know, some players have left the club, some players have went out on loan, etc. I think it was more a, a kind of spread thing right throughout the academy that, you know, if you want to make it into the first team, it's no good to turning up at training every day. There's so much more that goes on if you want to develop into a first-team player. Nathan's obviously seen that now. Nathan's basically a part of the first-team squad every single week. You know, he's obviously come on in a few games, and that's that's what we want for every player. And, like, Kai's got that ability. Anybody that's seen Kai would say that, you know. So I hope Kai goes away. He gets 15, 20 games, and he comes back, and the club can come to an agreement and that Kai's here for several more years. Well, that's the thing. You know, GB's the one that we speak most about because he's the one that spoke most about with regards to the, the B team or the youth team. And like what he's saying there, it would be good for him just to go away, get some football, clear his head, come back and try and make inroads into this uh, first team. Definitely. I think when it comes to youth development, I think uh, loans are one of the best ways for um, players to go and get experience. Of it. I mean, there's, I think there was, uh, what's the boy's name? Uh, Lewis Mayo was mm-hmm. our centre-half. I mean, there was a there was talk about him playing a big part in our squad this year, and um, that was before uh, Balogun was signed. I think it was just after Katic had received his injury, but then Balogun was signed, which I don't think we can have any, any too many complaints about. I think Gerard just went for a bit more experience to try and get us over the over the line this year. But um, when you kind of see what we've got sitting there, we've now got Goldson, Hollander, Balogun, and Edmondson. So I think uh, uh, Mayo going and getting um, experience. On a on a loan move is the best thing for him. I, I think uh, just I know we're talking about Kai Kennedy. 
um, is obviously similar circumstances. I think it will be the best thing for him. I think Inverness is a good move for him as well. Mm-hmm. I watched Inverness playing uh, the Rangers Colts in the in the Challenge Cup last year, the semi final, and Inverness beat the Colts two one. And I mean the young the young guys are really really unlucky. Um, so that'll be good as well. It's kind of probably the um, the same the same amount of talent that's that is at the youth just now. Do you know what I mean? Given given the age of the boys. But um, I think it will be a good move for him. I mean, the champion, the championship, is, it can be a difficult league. You know, we've we've seen that ourselves. I mean, the players can kick you about and stuff. So hopefully, it'll it'll toughen him up and he'll 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 come back stronger. But the the fact that he's he's getting a loan move, it's it's obviously good. I don't really like to listen to the noise when uh, it comes to stuff like that. A lot of stuff can get taken out of context. So I'm not going to judge the boy on something that may or may not have happened. I think more will come clear when there's an actual result in it. I mean, you've we went through the same. Uh, similar circumstances in 2012 when a lot of the youth players, I remember players like Reese McCabe and stuff like that, they kind of, it was, a, it was uh, quite apparent what was going on with them. They didn't want to uh, renew their contract um, and stuff like that. So when that happens, you can have an up, you can like have a, a real opinion on it. But when it's just here, so you don't, it's easy to judge players on stuff that's, that's been completely manipulated. Well, see, that's the thing now. We know for a fact that nothing comes out of Rangers anymore. It's mm-hmm. impossible to hear any transfer stories or if there's anything going on in the background, we don't hear it. But, yeah. Willie, you're obviously, you keep a close eye on the youths. So is there going to be, do you think, any movement, any more movement, I should say, in Rangers youth players going out or is possibly bringing any in? Well, I think today, unless a player's going to like a premiership club, there's still, what, another month for loans to happen. Right. Well, even after tonight, there's still like, like another four weeks roughly um, where players can go to like the Championship, League One and League Two in Scotland. So there's not like a huge, you know, sort of need to do the deals now. The difference with like Danny Finlayson going was that because he was going to another Premier League club, that deal's got to be done before the deadline because he's got to be registered, etc. But yeah, I mean, I do expect maybe some more movement. There's probably a couple of guys there that are looking to get the right move. There might be one or two that leave the club on a permanent basis. Um, I think when you look at like the last couple of B team games, we've managed to kind of find out roughly the start in the 11s. And there's been a few guys in there who are like 16 and 17 playing against men. And I think that's more where the club's trying to go. You know, they're trying to develop some of the younger players against first team opposition. Even like the defeat against Clyde, that's a good thing. You know, they've got to learn that there's different sides to the game. You know, they've played Dunfermline recently. They've played Clyde. And it's good. You know, you've got to develop by playing games against better teams, better opposition, better quality of player. And that's going to help, you know, Leon Kings and Charlie Lindsay's and Alex Lowry's and all these other guys, Tony Weston. It's important because, like, it's not a face like the under-18 level. It's, it's decent, but you know, to play against guys who are in first teams at 16 and 17 is completely different. As Jeep said earlier, you know, the championship's tough. Mm-hmm. Well, there's going to be some physical tackles. You're going to have, you know, guys who have played at that level for a few years. Let's be honest about it. You know, you know the dark arts. You know, guys having a wee kind of jabbing your stomach, guys nipping you, guys probably talking in your ear. You know, that's part of the game. And you know, for some kids who have only played it, development level and youth level and stuff like that, it's a big, big, big difference to walking out and 
playing against men that are possibly double your size, that are 10 years older than you, that have been around the block. You know, it's a big difference. Yeah, well, listen, Rangers fans should know how difficult the championship is. It I, took us two years to get it, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but listen, G, this is somebody we've discussed quite a lot on the podcast, and I mistakenly said he did a terrible performance in a live match reaction, which I've never lived down. But it looks like Glenn Kamara's going to sign a new contract. Now, I haven't seen anything concrete on it, but... A lot of the, the, the talk is he's going to sign a new contract. Are you surprised by that? Because there was talk for a while that we were looking to sell him. So is he going to sign this new contract to stay at Ibrox or is he signing it so that we can say to anybody who's interested, listen, if you want him, you're going to have to pay? Probably a little bit of both. I would say I think he's I think he's earned a new contract. I've got to be honest. Um, and I've not been his biggest fan. I thought he was one of our... Um, main reasons that we had such a, a difficult time coming back after our winter break. I thought his form was very, very poor for January onwards um, in Scotland and in Europe. I think it was the Braga game at Ibrox that he was he just he was hopeless. Um, and he gave, I mean, I, I feel that the, the moment everything started to go wrong was when he was dispossessed at Tynecastle. Um, yeah. <laughs> the the Hearts player nipped in Go the ball away. I mean, he wanted half an hour on the ball, which mm-hmm. anybody anybody that knows anything about Scottish football knows that Rangers do not get that at Tynecastle. You don't get it like in most of the places, but especially Tynecastle. Just wanted far too long on the ball. We lost the ball. They scored one one, then they went on and won the game, and for them, everything was just downhill. But um, going off what you had asked in terms of him getting a new contract, I thought he was phenomenal on Thursday mm-hmm. against Galatasaray. That's that's good opposition. Um, I thought he was really, really good. Um, something that I've realised, I think he plays a lot better when he plays alongside Stephen Davis. Yeah. Um, I don't think Jack and Kamara playing together do it doesn't work. Um, great things for the team. I think that Davis has this like calmness and experience about him that I prefer it being Davis and Jack or Davis and Kamara. Um, that was one of the things that uh, concerned me yesterday when I seen the lineup when I saw that Davis had been dropped. Now, I know Davis is. Um, well, he's what, 35. No, I don't know exactly. So it feels like it feels like he's been around forever, <laughs> but um, but so I know, I mean, Davis can a day Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, mm-hmm. Thursday. Do you know what I mean? He's just it's it, it takes a the recoveries a wee bit longer for, for older players. Um, so I, I understood the change yesterday, but I thought it affected us even in the game. I yeah. thought that was one of, I thought I thought we were a lot slower. Um, I thought I think Jack's place is a lot slower, but and again, obviously we're kind of we're drifting on to other, other topics here. But for me, um, Kamara, I feel he's he's earned a new contract. I feel that he's he started off the season really well. Hopefully, if he can keep that format, I, I just wish he could maybe add a few goals to his game. I don't think he scored. He's not scored for us uh, for over a year. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of the, the a game I went to last season at Almondville against Livingston in the cup. He scored a deflection, and um, that's the last time I can remember him actually scoring. Uh, but if we, if we could, I mean, I think we had a, we had a game at Irish, they had a shot a few outside the box, and I was like, Jesus Christ, what's he done here? He's actually he's actually hit it. But um, I, no, I think he's he's good. I mean, he's, he's great for he's absolutely great for for Finland. You know, if you, if you're watching him on a national level, he's brilliant, and they play him as like a number eight, like attacking and defending, and that. If we, if he can just add up maybe a wee bit more of his game going forward, I, I think it would be a fantastic midfielder. Just on the point you made there, Jeeb, about. Um, Kamara and Jack playing together. I made the point after the Livingston game, after the the, the, the 0-0 game, 
that I, I feel it was because of the way that they two were playing, they were so deep. We weren't getting any penetration going forward when the front guys were struggling. So I think you're absolutely right. When Jack and Kamara play, it almost seems as if they cancel each other out and we get mm-hmm. absolutely nothing from the middle of that park. Yeah. But, but well, I, I, sorry, on you go, G. I was just saying they're too similar, Aye. I think. You know, that's, that's my opinion on it. But like, but like you say, Stephen Davis can't play every single game, but we'll come on to maybe some incomings in a wee sec. But, but Willie, were, were you surprised that, that Kamara got the new deal or are you along the kind of same lines as Jeep that he's played that well that he definitely deserves it? I think it's just also some security for the football club at the end mm. of the day. You know, I we spoke about it a few times this season. You know, he's obviously going to get away with Finland in next summer. Mm-hmm. And plan was to have a good time with Finland. And the club's got him on a deal until 2024 or 2025. You know, Rangers can say, well, you know, we want X amount of money. And it's easier at that point to obviously, you know, have that stance because you've got a guy on a long-term contract. And I think I think it's something the club need to keep doing. When you've got like an asset who is valued at a certain amount, then it's important that you've always got him on a reasonably long contract. You know, because when you let guys run down in the last year or two, it allows the player to then make a decision on his future. Whereas with three years left in his deal, Rangers can sit down and say, look, we want to add another year or another two years. And it just gives us massive protection if somebody was to come calling after next summer. And Rangers can obviously just quote them a ridiculous price. And possibly after the pandemic, it might be so that you know clubs are more willing to spend that kind of money. Absolutely. Now, and for anybody watching, for any eagle-eyed people watching, you might see Jeep constantly looking down and you might see me constantly looking up or paying absolute attention to the podcast, but also absolute attention to Sky Sports News and Twitter. <laughs> but we, I think we, we all know that, and I think while you said it before we started, that Rangers aren't going to announce anything until the very last minute. But no, listen, Rangers like to keep us waiting, it would appear every year. I think like Ryan Kent, everybody was like, I bet she's been paraded by now and we're just all waiting and waiting and waiting. And then, was it no, his brother, his brother posted a picture that he was inside Ibrox or something. And oh, like, don't, 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 don't get us started on the Casper Kent stuff, like, honestly. I think, well, I think at the end of the day, if we're going to get some done, the deal's been done. You know, mm. I get quarter past nine at night, the deal's done. And see if they release the pictures and it's the middle of the day and like Zunga's standing there with a Rangers scarf, then you know you've just had the piss took out for about the last four hours waiting for the announcement to be made. But, I don't mind. I mean, like, I'm fully expecting us to sign somebody. So it's just a matter of waiting for whoever does the Rangers Twitter to put us out of our misery and, you know, announce the signing. Well, Jeep, well, it appears that it's probably going to be Bogani Zungu, which I'm absolutely delighted about because I'll be able to pronounce that no problem every week on the fucking podcast. <laughs> but, but listen, he's not somebody that I know anything about. I'd never heard his name until we were linked to him. Um, but I mean, he left South Africa when he was 24, I think, came over, played in France. But I mean, it's a, it's a kind of move for left field because I don't know if you know anything about him, but I certainly don't know a single thing about him. Everything that I know about him came from his YouTube highlights, which I, <laughs> I said, ever for I watched Carlos Pena's, I said I would never judge a player on them ever again. Oh. But um, no, it's, I mean, that was a deal that was rumoured middle of July, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was kind of dead in the water because you kind of expect if it's not happened by now, it's probably not going to happen. It seems to have kind of um, caught a wee bit of fire again today and it's looking like he, he might sign. I mean, folk, folk are going to be listening to this and might be called listening to him, but he never <laughs> signed or whatever. But um, he kind of, he looks like, he looks like a, a, a number six, um, somebody that can take a man on 
he looks all right. You can't go off YouTube no. I mean, highlights. You know what it's like. I mean, YouTube highlights made bloody Boomer Sadiq look great. You know <laughs> what I mean? So, I mean, by the way, he went for nine million quid. Did I know. Oh, I, I can't believe that. Um, but, uh, just, I mean, if you mentioned him, that kind of goes off of what William was saying about Glenn Kamara there as well in terms of uh, club security with contracts. We were rumoured to be signing this guy Zungu for four million pounds. He's got a year left in his deal, mm-hmm. and everybody's thinking, "What? What you thought? In a year's time, he's free, four million quid." Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, the rumour is today that we're going to get him on loan for a year, and then we can sign him on a Bosman in January. Aye. Do you know? So, I mean, if that's if that's the case, and and what two two and a half months you've saved yourself four million quid, that's that's not too bad. Though. I mean, the loan won't be free. You'll be paying his wages. I don't know if they're just running them out the books. Or what, but it's. I mean, if you're if you're gonna kind of go off, go off Twitter. I mean, I've I've been to, I've been told by someone who has some sort of source. He said that there is someone going to be signed tonight. I said, who is it? He said, I can't tell you. I said, how can you tell me? I went because he can't tell me. I don't know. I mean, he's just told me, don't worry, somebody will be signed. So I'm like, but, but you hear this, you hear this all the bloody time. Then you know, oh, I've heard this, I've heard that. So I, you take away a pinch of salt anyway. But I'm hopeful. I'm hoping. I'm, I feel. Someone needs to come in. I feel it's. I mean, if you're talking playing Jack Davis, can he play every game? And then Jack Kamara's there. What if Jack had picked up a wee end? What if his injury had niggled back yesterday? Mm-hmm. I mean, then then you're getting our field to drop it. You, you you just need a bit more depth. Do you know what I mean? And I feel centre mid is where it where it where it needs to be where it needs to be. I know, and and Wally, and, you you weren't exactly over the moon. With, with Zungu. I mean, I don't know if that's fair. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but you said you've seen him play quite a few times and you're not 100% sure if he's the answer. Yeah, I think, I mean, what I said was, obviously, Gary McAllister was quoted after the game saying we needed quality over quantity. And I don't know if Zungu's what a lot of fans would consider to be quality. You know, and I think, well, I wasn't even disrespectful towards the guy. You know, at the end of the day, he's obviously a full international he left South Africa when he was, what, 23, 24. He went to Portugal for a season, and then he moved to France. Since then, his teams obviously went to League One or whatever and back down to League Two again. But I agree with Jeep. I mean, I think it's crazy that some of these clubs, given that how late it is in the transfer window mm-hmm. now because of what's happened, were sitting here on the 5th of October. No club, when a player's got two and a half months left in his contract, basically, before he becomes a Bosman, can be quoting somebody four million pounds. <laughs> Basically, this guy down at Preston as well, I saw like, Alex Neely come out or whatever and said he's not leaving unless somebody pays this money. Well, that's fine. Because seeing the first of January, we'll, we'll just talk to him and, and sign him in a free. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it would be pretty silly for a club to pay a large fee for somebody right now, given that in whatever that is, like 90 days, the guy's available to take for free. And then at that point, when you've got him signing a pre-contract, you know, you could then go to the club and say, you know what, we'll offer you 150 grand and we'll take them six months early. So I, I, don't, I don't know, by the way, if it was Daniel Levy, I think he might be able to do a wee deal like that, you know, a couple well, of Daniel Levy is unbelievable. And, I mean, he's he's definitely one of the best, the sort of art form of doing deals like this. But I just feel, you know, if Junger comes in and does well, I'm happy. I'm not so sure he's going to be what you'd be considered a first-choice pick. Mm-hmm. I think once everybody's fit and... You know, the manager can pick his first love, and I don't necessarily think Zungu's going to be in that. But if he can come in and offer his, you know, respite for Stephen Davis, if he can offer us a break for Glenn Kamara or somebody else, that's fine. 
I wasn't starting to be like sort of derogatory about the guy. I was just saying that when Gary McAllister said he wanted quality over quantity, I don't feel as though Zungu is quality, you know. But look, time will tell. If the guy's unbelievable between now and the end of the season and we lost the league title, I don't really care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. at the end of the day, that's how it is. But everybody's allowed an opinion on a player, whether it's right or wrong. That's always open to debate. And I like that. I like the fact people want to debate things like that. So good. Let's see how he does if he does sign. Absolutely. And and listen, well, you've obviously both you have mentioned that kind of cover for Davis. But G, was there anywhere else in the squad that you think we could do with maybe a bit of cover or an upgrade? Or do you think the, um, do you think the, squad, the squad's kind of settled? I well, I think the players that are there are set. I think you, I mean, you can always add more. Do you know what I mean? It's obviously, you don't, you're not wanting, you're, you're not just wanting players there for the sake here. And players like, I mean, Greg, Greg Stewart hasn't had much a say if he's mm-hmm. much an impact if he's came in. Do you know what I mean? So you don't just want anyone coming in. Um, up until the start of this season, I would say Jones and Barker were probably the same. But um, I would say if there was anyone, it would probably maybe be the right side of attack, possibly even right back. I mean, Tav does a lot of running, he does a lot of work. You've got young Parsons uh, sitting there, but he's quite unproven, you know? So, um, I mean, we've seen a bit more of Bassey, uh, Calvin Bassey on the left side, but uh, I would... I would be, I'd feel I'd feel quite comfortable going going in every season with with Tav and Pats, and I wouldn't say it's it's anything that we overly need desperately. I mean, push comes to shove, Brian Jack can play right back as well, so we've got players there that can fill in. I'd probably say other than midfield, I'd probably say the right side of the attack, maybe like a like a, a left footed winger sort that could maybe cut in. You know, I mean, Kent, Kent does that now and again. He kind of he likes to if he goes on the right hand side, he likes to kind of cut in on his. On his right foot, you know, like a type of Iron Robin type player. Uh. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe not quite as expensive as he would have been in his prime, but someday, someday along the lines of that, Mares, something like that, you know, that can kind of cut in on his on his left foot and get a shot away. Maybe something along those lines. Just he's another another option and a a bit of variety on the right hand side. And I suppose one thing we we haven't really spoke about and it hasn't really been in my mind, Wally, is the outs. You know, Gib mentioned there, Jeep, sorry, I got it wrong there, sorry. Jeep uh, mentioned Greg Stewart, obviously Jordan Jones. Brandon Barker's probably kind of settled in the squad now. I, I, I'd feel quite confident in saying that. But also Alfie as well. So do you expect there to be any outs or do you think Gerard's just kind of shut the shop on that? And unless a bid comes in for maybe a Greg Stewart or a Jordan Jones, that's it. It sort of feels like, unless there was something you know, like sort of majorly on the table. I don't think anybody of the first team persuasion are going to move on at this point. But it might be that for somebody like Greg Stewart, if somebody was come in and offer him a loan deal until the end of the season, mm. it might make sense to put him out on loan. I mean, we still have quite a big squad. I mean, we're saying that the other day. We've got like 23, 24, 25, if you can include guys like Barjonas and Andy Firth. So, I mean, it's not like we've got a small squad of players. So, always felt like if we were going to bring in player or players to date, it was probably just going to be one. I mean, if you're looking to do two or three deals, you probably would need to be moving one or two out the door for a fee. Because at the end of the day, we've already spent money on Hadji, Roof, and Itton. Mm-hmm. We've obviously brought in McLaughlin and Bassey and Balligan latterly. So we've added those guys to the first team squad, you know, and we've pretty much 
well, apart from like Ross McCrory, obviously now Jamie Murphy, you know, we've not really seen a huge amount of players leaving. So I thought maybe we might have seen one or two kind of be shifted today. Um, I mean, it might still it might still happen. Rangers just might announce it all in one big go. I.e., we signed this player, but this, this, and this is going out on loan because it tends to be that it's like the parent club or whatever when the loan deals like announces it first, and then whoever's gone to the, like the loan will be announced seconds after it because it's all pre-arranged. So don't be surprised maybe if that does happen tonight and that maybe a Greg Stewart ends up at another team in Scotland potentially. I know you don't want to end up with an overinflated wage bill and six hundred players. You know, let some teams I, I could mention. But listen, we'll leave it there and we'll finish up this week on and we'll have a wee recap of the Ross County game. Now, that's the first time I've paid for Rangers TV. <laughs> and because uh, I'm I usually work during the games and I thought and I was off and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna pay my money and sit and enjoy the game. And gee honestly, that that was just a wasted hour and a half. It was so boring, we were so pedestrian, we were so slow. Don't get me wrong, three points, that's all that matters, we got to win, but it was a really dire game. Aye, definitely, like you said, the three points, that really one Sunday, that's that's all that mattered. Um, the, the thing about the game was I, 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 it went exactly as I predicted it would go. Um, Snagsy had messaged me, Snagsy is my, my co-host on the Ibrox Week podcast, um, Snagsy had messaged me and Asked his prediction and he had given it five now, and I said that and I've I put it. It was on Twitter. Many things online. <laughs> I said two. I said that ain't gonna be two now. Um, I just predicted it would be a really um, scrappy game. That something that I've uh, I've remembered watching Rangers over the years. All different Rangers teams is we always seem a come out the gates really slowly when we come back for a big European game. Um, I thought I thought uh, for Park as well. I thought I mean Willem, I, I was like that was that was a good performance. You know we were four 0 up, so that game was that game was done before it was finished, um, and we got some sub zone in that. So when we went to Fur Park, I was like, right, we still might have a bit of freshness about us here. We put in a good show, and a good performance in that. Um, Thursday was just a completely different kettle of fish. They, it went right on a stoppage time. Um, right down to the wire, we only won it by a single goal. The players put in an absolute shift, and I just thought, um, even with the changes that we had, I mean, Balogun came in, and uh, Hadji, no, no, Hadji, had, Hadji had came out, uh, mm-hmm. Jones came in. Um, even even with the changes, I, I thought, I can just see how this is going to go. I was a wee bit disappointed that I'd seen Arfield had started. Um, absolutely nothing to do with his form. I just thought he, he would have looked really, really tired. Um, it, it, it went exactly how I predicted it would go. Really glad that we got the penalty. As much, I've got to be honest, um, I thought it was quite soft. Mm-hmm. I thought out of all the penalties that we've kind of go, um, that's it was probably one of the softer ones. So we probably did get a little bit lucky with it. Um, and then you can even in the 85th minute, you think to yourself, "There's only a penalty separating us here." Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second goal goes in, and you just you, the relief comes early, and you're like, "That's the first thing you say to yourself is, thank fuck." <laughs> like that's you know, so that's it's it's it was just it was one of the games. It was one of the Sunday games after a Thursday game in Europe. It's just the, it happens. Do you know what I mean? But the most important thing is that when they happen, you somehow just grind it, and that's what we've done. So I know. Do you know? I celebrated the second goal, but I don't know if I should be saying that because apparently we're not allowed to celebrate. Um, but but well, it, 
Jim makes a good point there because I, I think he mentioned the 85th minute and I'm pretty sure that Ross County had a beltery a chance. I think it was for a free kick. And the boy obviously rose up above everybody, headed it and should have scored, right? But it's really hard to criticise the defence when that's you now five games at Ibrox, five clean sheets. But, and tell me if I'm, if I'm totally uh, over the line here, but they looked quite suspect against Ross County. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the first change we've seen in, at the centre-back pairing for a wee while. It's obviously been Hellander and Golden have mm-hmm. basically picked themselves recently. Um, yeah, look, we were sloppy for a couple of those balls. I think they had another chance in extra time, um, or injury time, whatever you want to call it. You know, the guy should have probably scored for another set play. I think, yeah, again, it's something the manager will look at, because clearly one of Celtic's biggest threats is somebody like Duffy in the air. Mm-hmm. And I think if the manager had the option, somebody like Big Katic, I think that's why you know Katic played its parkhead last year, was because of how dominant he is in the air. But yeah, I mean, the manager will definitely look at that and he'll, he'll make sure that whether it's you know putting a blocker on somebody, you know, because you've got to stop these kind of runs. I mean, like, I agree with Jeep. I mean, it was a soft penalty. It was, it was one of those ones, even when you watch it back, there didn't seem to be a massive amount of contact. Although I thought the kind of telling thing was that the boy didn't really seem to complain. He just seemed to kind of wander away. And I was a bit like, that had been like a Rangers But well, see if you see it for a different angle, you can actually see the Ross County boy who's got his hands on his back. Because initially yeah. I thought that's really soft. Why is he even down? But you can actually see a push on the back. I think the big thing for the game was, and I, like I said the same thing, I thought we looked a bit fatigued. I thought the legs looked a wee bit drained. And I think what people have to understand is it's not just a physical exertion, it's a mental exertion, these European games. You know, Galatasaray, there was such a huge build-up to that game. Let's be honest, the pressure's on the players to get into the group stage because financially for the club, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, so the players have probably heard that for weeks now in the build-up to the Willem Tway game, then into the Galatasaray game. You know, the manager's even speaking about it, saying, you know, we might get a deal done if we can get into the group stages. And so, I mean, that's all in the players' minds, you know. So it was great to get the win. It's one of those games that, you, I mean, like my notes were like half a page. And that was basically like half of those were substitutions. <laughs> so that's how much like, quality was involved in the actual game. So, yeah, it's one of those games that you just mark up on the board, 2 0. You know, and then they move on. That was a, a, a it was a terrible game to watch. Ross County came and sat nine, ten men behind the ball. We obviously have got the right to do that, but yeah, let's, I, let's just move on to the next game. I, but listen, they, they sat behind the ball, but they broke really well, Ross County, and they looked they a wee bit of a threat going forward. But Jeeb, listen, it would be good to get your opinion on Yanis Hadji because I've heard a lot of people, you know, saying he's not playing well, he's not doing this. He's a top assist maker in the league, right? And I understand that maybe he drifts out of games, you don't see him. I don't think it helps when he runs for the ball and he looks slower than me. But there's been, the last couple of games, a couple of assists, and the assist for... Uh, oh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember who it was now. But my, the point I'm trying to make is I think he actually has more of an impact than what folk think he does. Mm-hmm. I, I I would agree with that, and I'm probably one of the people that has been a bit critical of him. Um, the person I speak to the football the most is probably Moldman. Um and both of us are kind of feel the same on Haji that he's very he's, he's very he's very slow. Um when when a player plays the sort of position that he plays, you kind of need him to have a bit of pace. 
if I say that when the front three kind of rotate, if you've got Hadji kind of drop a wee bit deeper, then and you've got Kent running in behind, it work it works well uh, that way. I think the assist you'll be talking about will be one of one of our field's goals. It'll be, it was him that put the ball through our field uh, against Galatasaray, and it was him that played it back to our field at Easter Road, which looked like such a, it looked like such a simple pass back back uh, to our field at Easter Road, but it completely wrong footed the defender, and it gave. Um, Arfield on on one. His pass, his pass through him against Galatasaray was was very. It was, I mean, it was really, really quick touch pass. It was just really quick. I mean, whenever a whenever a player doesn't have great amount of pace, the player that comes to mind, someone like Ronald De Boer, you need them to be like exceptionally skillful, which he was. Do you know what I mean? Ronald De Boer wasn't he? Wasn't he quick in the slightest? He couldn't win the length himself, but he was so so skillful. He was so, such a good football player really good with his head, good in the air and stuff like that, which kind of made up for it. You're kind of looking for something like that. I think what people need to remember as well is he's only 21. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm including myself in this day because I I mean, I, I don't like to go on Twitter and, and, and be critical, but when you're having private conversations with, with people about football, you can kind of give your opinion like, I don't really know about him. I'm, I'll give him a bit of time, but I'm not sure. Um, but he's only 21. He's a young guy. It's a new country for him and stuff. I know he had six months here, um, but he probably came at the wrong time. I mean, he, when he when he came into the squad in his six month loan period, nobody played well. Do you know mm-hmm. there wasn't really anybody that, that that had a good second half of the season. The team totally collapsed, and he looked like one of the sparks. I mean, there's a lot of credit for the free kick he scored against Braga. We need to kind of <laughs> need to kind of remember the the wicked deflection that it took. Do you know what I mean? But no, for me. For me, I don't think people should be too harsh on him too quickly. Look at Borna Barisic. It took Borna yeah. Barisic a full year. Um, I believe in one of my first podcasts, I said Borna Barisic, he does not have a future at Ibrox. That was after his, after his first season. Uh, he doesn't have a future at Ibrox. There's no chance. Um, I know I people, Sasa Papas took a while. I know, I know, but it's just not going to happen with Barisic. And I'm, I'm so, so happy to be eating my own words. I, I absolutely love when players mm-hmm. prove me wrong and, and they just show a right back character. But I've... I, Definitely give him a chance. And when you look at the, num- the numbers, I think it was six assists in six games. Um, you know, he's, he's he's obviously doing a better job than what people are realising. Absolutely, absolutely. And just to finish up on this game, Wally, um, Captain Tav, uh, albeit penalty, but that's, what's that now, eight goals, eight games. I mean, he's he got man of the match, I think, he got player of the month. You know, he's, he's performing well above expectations this season. Yeah, look, Tav's a quality player. I think we've always said that going forward. You know, he's exciting. He, you know, at times Tav's almost like another midfield player because of how high he plays up the pitch. And, you know, recently everything's just clicking for him. And it's great to see him back on penalties. He obviously come off them when he missed the pen and then we kind of passed it around the team and it never really seemed to settle with anybody. So, I mean, fair play to the captain. You know, he's he stepped up and he scored some vital goals for us recently. Obviously, you know, the header against Galatasaray is probably my favourite. I just love the fact that he was involved. He won by line to the other. And that, that tells you everything about Tavernier. Yeah, look, I appreciate everybody's going to like his defensive stuff at times, but he going forward, he's an absolute joy to watch. And, um, you know, I'm hoping this goal-scoring streak's got another couple of, couple of games to go in it. And, you know, he sets some more records. And as I said, I think a couple of weeks ago in the pod, Stephen Tav loves, yeah, sorry, loves that first trophy of his. Mm-hmm. It's going to be sweeter because he's the Rangers captain. Absolutely. And GB's got his, he's got his critics, but 
I mean, he's been probably our best player this season. I've, I've always been a, a really big fan of Tav, and at times he has done my head in. I, like, I've been so frustrated. I find him, I, I can find him such a frustrating uh, player at times. And I have said um, for a long time, I, I mean, one of the biggest arguments against Tav is he's not a captain. Um, well, see, to be honest, see if you look at some of the goals that we scored, I mean, the way that he brought the ball, the, the, ball, the ball out of um, our half on Thursday, the way he, he drives the team forward at times, the one that the one that springs to mind, it was the very first game of last season when Connor Golson scored the header at Rugby Park in the last minute at stoppage time, and I don't know if it was the last minute or no, but we had the ball in our half and Tav broke forward. He must have travelled about 40, 50, 60 yards with the ball. Um, and the ball ended up getting to Aribo. Aribo has the shot. Goalie saves it. We get the corner. He whips the corner in and we score. And you kind of you think to yourself, like, well, people are saying he's not a captain. Like, is that if he's not a captain, then what is it? He's he's taking he's taking the game with the scruff of the neck. He's the one driving the team forward. And see, to be honest, I've noticed it even more. So I don't know if it's because there's no fans in the stadium, but you can hear him. I mean, he's mm-hmm. At the start of the games and stuff like that, he's shouting commands and he's saying to the players, like, get stuck in and come on. And I, I just think, I, I mean, me, I've probably noticed that a wee bit more at the start of this season. I think, um, obviously, I was going to say over the summer, but obviously, we, uh, COVID came in and the football stopped in March. We had a, a long, long break. And I think he's one of the people that went away, probably reflected on his position at the club a lot. Um, he's came back. I mean, how many how many different penalty takers did we have last season? I can remember mm-hmm. Arfield, mm-hmm. Hadji missing. We, we had uh, Morelos missed one. Numerous people. Tav was your penalty taker. I know you missed a few, but you need to show some sort of mental strength mm-hmm. to just keep going because his, his rate before he missed a couple was outstanding. He, he, he hadn't missed at all. Um, so the fact that he's now went and he's thought, He's, he's kind of stepped back up to the plate and he's hitting them again. Do you know what I mean? And I mean, the, the, the hardest one for him to take would have been the first one, the one that he had enough after post against, uh, I, think, I think that was the first one he took, it was against, against Motherwell. Um, coming back, that, that would have been the That was a peachy penalty. Psychologically, that would have been the most difficult one. As soon as you score that first one, he's like, you're like, right, come on. Because, I mean, if he misses the next one, it's fine. Still take the, the one after that. You're not going to score them all. No. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. I mean, no player does. Every player misses penalties. So it's just it's about having the, the mental strength to keep going. Do you know? And I think he showed that now that he's he stepped up. But I've for me, he's he's been by far our best player this season. I think that's one of his best attributes, actually, is his mental strength. But listen, gents, that will do us there for this week because I promised the boss that I would try and keep the pods to a, a certain time so that he could edit them properly. But I just ignore him every week. But listen, just, just before we go, we've just released an interview with Nicola Katic. I wrote an interview on the website at thisisibrooks.co.uk. Go and check that out. That was a brilliant Jamie Curry that done that for us. You can obviously watch the pod on YouTube and through the website at thisisibrooks.co.uk. And you can download it for whatever podcast application you use. Well, Erwin, as ever, mate, thank you very much. Pleasure. And Jeep, thank you very much for coming on. And I hope we see you again soon, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. I enjoyed it. So thanks to everybody watching and listening, and we shall speak to you next week.